0: Country is divided and the division doesn't seem to be getting better. Why are we so divided? Why do different sides often seem to be operating from very different sets of facts? And here's the big question. Should people, especially people of faith, care about finding the truth? Hey everyone, it's Steve Allred. Glad you joined us today. On today's episode of the Do Justice podcast, I talk with Pastor Travis Walker. Now Our conversation only barely starts to answer these questions, but Travis and I attempt to tackle them from a Christian perspective and a biblical perspective. Travis and I met when we both attended seminary together in the freezing cold state of Michigan almost 15 years ago, and we've been friends ever since. Travis is currently a church pastor in the sunny state of Florida where he now lives with his lovely wife and daughter. Just so you know, you can send us your questions or input for future episodes Our email is dojusticenow at iCloud.com. Email us a voice memo with your question, and we may include your voice in an upcoming podcast. Also, if you enjoy the Do Justice podcast, make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. today joining me is my friend Travis Walker Travis how are you doing today
1: I am doing well man thank you so much for having me on the podcast
0: hey this is fun we've been talking about doing this for a long time in fact um, a couple years ago I think it was you and I were talking about uh, kind of doing a podcast together and then you know things just didn't quite happen in that direction but we both kind of ended up doing our own thing and um, now we're we're collaborating a little bit, so that's fun. I'm glad to, that we get to do this together today. So, what is the name of your podcast? Tell us a little bit more about what you do and what it's what the focus of it is.
1: Yeah, I just uh, started a podcast called Adventology uh, about four months ago. We launched our first episode, and um, essentially, uh, it's uh, it's a, a really kind of an inductive approach to, to important issues that the Bible addresses. Uh, and, uh, so I ask a lot of questions and, um, and try to use story as a medium for, um, explaining some, some of the basic Bible doctrines. Cool. So the name of, of your
0: podcast is Adventology. You can find it on iTunes, um, all the other places you look for podcasts, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. We're, we're everywhere you can be. If you have a if you have a podcast app, um, we're natively on SoundCloud. But yeah, all those other places are, are a great place to find us. Or adventology.com. You can just go right there if you want. Ooh, you got a
0: website. That's cool. Um, okay, so today we are going to talk about truth and whether truth still matters. It seems like Today, we're trying to figure that out in our society. Maybe we have been trying to figure this out for a long time, and I'm just noticing it. Um, And before we get to that discussion, let's just kind of set the scene here. Um, We are really polarized in our world today, and we're talking about political polarization, and even within the uh, communities of faith, in a lot of churches, it seems like there are people uh, taking sides on issues, maybe they're social issues or theological issues. Um, back in 2014, Pew Research did a study, and they found that um, Americans were pretty much more polarized than they had been for a very long time, at least in recent history. I think we could go back to the Civil War, perhaps, and we were probably pretty polarized back then. But... Uh, yeah. Nowadays, that was in 2014, I'm thinking, man, it must be even more that way today in 2019. um, People tend to have um, what some people call ideological silos, where they say, hey, I'm going to stick with the people that think like me, all my friends are going to think like me and talk like me, I'm not going to venture out and have friends with different kinds of views. And, And we often tend to demonize those who are different than us. Uh, when we're in this kind of a, a cultural climate where everyone's so polarized, so Travis, why do you think things are like they are? Why are we so polarized today in our world?
1: Hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned that you know we've we've probably you um, been polarized. Um, you know, it's part of human nature. I mean, if you go back to um, you know the biblical times specifically um, in the New Testament. Um, you know there's there's polarization is is evident um, pretty much as a kind of an undercurrent going on through the New Testament. I mean, you have these different factions, um, mm-hmm. even in in Judaism, right? You have the the Sadducees, kind of the the the, the clergy class, um, kind of uh, connected a little bit, have connections with with the romans and you have the uh the pharisees who you kind of more fundamentalists they're very determined to to uh follow the law and uh you know do everything they can to to live up to a certain standard and you know there was other factions as well um, um during that time and uh and so yeah it, it seems to be a kind of a kind of a human nature issue um, from my perspective. Um, What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's good. I I think you're right. It's not new to us today. It's been happening throughout history. Um, I I look at our current climate, though, and it seems like a lot of our current polarization is driven by media. And by media, I mean everything Mm. from what you see on TV, or that's coming from the media organizations to, um, you know, even social media where people are on Facebook and Twitter. And, um, I don't think social media has done us any favors as a society when it comes to, you know, the polarization issue. It seems like it makes it worse in some ways. I personally, this is just my own observation. There might be some studies out there on this that could prove me wrong or right. I don't know. But personally, I've noticed that, um, People on social, social media often behave badly and they, they, um, they behave in ways that they wouldn't necessarily behave in real life. That's not, you know, helping for sure, I think, to have these, these platforms where we can kind of hide behind them and <clears throat> say things and feel like there's no real repercussions, maybe. So, I, I, yeah, I feel like maybe the, the uh, ubiquitousness, ubiquity, I guess is the word of of social media and these, you know, and and just how media is so prevalent and, and telling us all these things. It's it's telling us what to think. We're believing mm. it. We're spreading it. Um, yeah, mm. and and I and here and this kind of takes us to I think another thing, and that is okay. So. It seems to me, and tell me if you agree with this, like people on opposite sides of issues are often basing their assumptions on different sets of facts. Um, and, and, and I, again, Pew Research did a, uh, had a little article where they said, when it comes to getting news about politics and government, for example, liberals and conservatives inhabit different worlds. There is very little overlap on the news sources they turn to and trust and whether discussing politics online or with friends they are more likely than others to interact with like-minded individuals. And so so they're they're like hey, I'm going to trust Fox News or I'm going to trust uh you know, NBC News. And and if I trust one I'm not going to trust the other and it seems like those different outlets are saying very different things. We have different facts that we're even going by, right?
1: Mhm. Yeah. Um I think you kind of hit on the head uh, about kind of a deterioration of institutional norms, um, deterioration of, of kind of, um, you know, a a set of of rules or set of, um, you know, agreed upon, um, you call them facts, but, but agreed upon principles that, 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 that govern society. So, so if you're essentially, uh, you know, I liken it to, Um, you know, if you're playing a game of football, for instance, um, you know, the reason that football is, you know, for the most part fair is because, um, you know, you have some officials out there and there's a rule book and, um, everybody's playing by those rules. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you lose the game, you, most of the time football fans will, um, you know, acknowledge that they lost fair and square, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they, their Mm -hmm. team didn't perform and, 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 you know, they'll come back and, and fight, you know, the next game, they'll, they'll try better. And I think that's the way our, our culture used to be. We, we didn't necessarily always agree and get along on things, but we respected the system by which, um, we worked in. And so, you know, when we lost, we, we acknowledge, Hey, you know, we lost, you know, I don't like, I don't like the fact that I lost. I don't like the fact that I didn't, you know, my, my goals were not achieved, but, you know, I, I just need to go back and try harder and, and do better job at, at convincing people with better arguments. But I think now because of the deterioration of, um, some of these institutional norms as a, as a society, um, you know, like you mentioned, people have gotten and have created their own rule book. And so you have, um, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, two, two different sets of, of rules, you know, two different sources of information. And, and essentially you have two groups playing the game by their rule book, but their rule books do not, um, coincide with each other. And so you have a lot of miscommunication and a lot of, um, you know, sometimes unfair play and, uh, and yet, we still have enough of our institutional norms working that you know we're, we still have you know some basic rules that we agree on. But it's kind of like a mixture of of the two, and it, it creates a lot of confusion. And I think people, when they're confused, they 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 turn to people that they trust. And so, the, as the institution deteriorates, you see kind of an increase in people looking to individuals uh, as champions. Hmm. And, uh, and I think that's where this populism and, and, uh, you see a lot of, uh, um, uh, just almost authoritarian kind of, uh, tendencies because, you know, if, if the institution is broken, then we need to find a strong man to, to, uh, put it back together.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. So let's talk
0: about people of faith. So you and I are both Christians. We want to follow the Bible. We, we want to follow Jesus. And um, we're living in a world that's polarized and divided over issues that, you know, some of these issues are are important issues. Other of of these issues are not that important. Um, But I want to kind of like get back to some of those issues a little more specifically maybe in a few minutes here or at least, you know, apply how Christians ought to relate to those issues in in public life. But um, let's just talk about this bigger question though of, of truth. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if we're, if we're all going to our favorite people or sources that we trust to get facts, um, why should people of faith care about finding the truth? And I'm going to, first of all, let's talk about finding truth with a capital T. In other words, Mm. the, the big truth, you know, God's truth. Um, Specifically, Jesus, if you're a Christian, right? That's what you believe, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Why should we care about that? It seems like, you know, in a world that is divided over so many uh, superficial things, you know, here's an example, you know, vaccines, right? That's a big issue right now in some states because some states are trying to pass mandatory vaccination laws. And so, You've got people who are pro-vaccine and you've got people who are anti-vaccine and, and all sorts of different variations in between, I'm sure. Uh, but in broad strokes, you know, the the anti-vaccine people say, hey, you know, vaccines will hurt you if, you know, you take them too early or if you take them at all or they don't work or whatever it might be. And so they have their list of sources and their set of facts, you could say. And then you have the pro-vaccine folks who say vaccines are good for you. They will help you. And you need to take them and so on and so forth. And they have their list of sources and their list of facts and research. Um, And so, you know, we've got all these issues going on in society and people are taking sides on these issues. Um, But as Christians, let's kind of just, let's take a minute to pause and say, all right, so what really matters here? Okay. And you can say, well, that's, that matters because my personal liberty is at stake. My child's health is at stake one way or the other Mm -hmm. on that issue. But again, let's just step back from all that for a minute and talk about the truth. Why should people of faith care about God's truth, first of all? And then we're going to talk about you know that other truth and how we can get to the bottom of that. Mm. Um. Why does truth matter, or does it? I mean, <clears throat> should we just not really care? You know, and, and I guess I think about, and I, I'll, I'm going to give you a chance to respond here in a minute. But I think about Jesus when He said to His disciples on the uh, Mount of Olives. This is right before He is going to be crucified. He says, Take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They're going to deceive many, so on and so forth. It's interesting to me that Jesus specifically uh, tells us, Hey, listen, be careful that you're not deceived. Deception is believing something that's not true. So, in other words, what he's trying to tell us is truth is important, truth matters in the context. Um, especially apparently um, of you know in time events um, there are many other verses that talk about you know how Satan and the Antichrist is going to use lies and going to deceive people and people will become uh, wanting they, they will want to believe you know, a lie so much that God will allow them to believe that lie because they did not choose to believe the truth. Second Thessalonians chapter two, for for example. Mm. And so, you know, I think about like truth. It's like, it seems like we're living in a day and age again, where people just kind of choose what they want to believe based on how they feel. Or in some cases, you know, I'm sure they're very sincere and they say, well, this set of facts looks more reputable to me than this set of facts or whatever. Like, you know, And and I kind of want to get to this, this idea of, um, you know, that, that, that does truth really matter anymore or should it matter? I guess is the question to us as people of faith.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so foundational, um, because, you know, it's, it's the heart of, of the great controversy. I mean, you know, is God telling the truth or is the devil, you know, so, so you 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 really you know if you take this this big you know ten thousand foot kind of back and and just look at um, essentially what the struggle spiritual struggle that is going on um, in our world um, from from that from that from that perspective it, it is essentially answering that question what is truth who is telling the truth and, um, you know, you, you go back to, you know, you mentioned this back to the garden of Eden, uh, to, to really, um, you know, look at where this, the vein of this, um, uh, digression from truth began, um, essentially, uh, you know, when the devil, uh, contradicted God and said, you know, you will not surely die when God had said, you will surely die. Um, you know, the, 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 the way that he convinced Eve was, um, you know, through her senses, right? It was, she, she looked at the fruit and it was desirable to make one wise. And, and so it, it was, uh, appealing to her, um, her her own um, future glory in a sense uh, that that kind of kind of pushed her away from what God had said and and essentially uh, enticed her into believing the lie and 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 so you know truth essentially is a um, foundational principle that is um undergirded or or basically um um di- you know diverted through appealing to our senses appealing to to our desires um and and so when our desires and senses um you know uh, contradict you know truth then we come up with all kinds of uh, of uh, justifications for for kind of trying to work around truth and and you mentioned uh, you know that 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 text in in second Thessalonians um, you know kind of bringing that all the way to our day so you know what is the 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 main thing that is going to um, you know uh, determine who um, believes a lie or who follows the truth is is the love of the truth right so so it's not just enough to, to want to know the truth, but um, but I think that's one of the only places in the Scripture where it talks about loving truth. And I think that's something that would be interesting to talk about, uh, because I think without that element, I think um, it can become kind of academic. But loving the truth, I think, adds a relational element to the discussion mm. and mm-hmm. um, and it in it. I think that's an important part of this, because without that, um, you know, then, then we're dealing with um, uh, kind of an abstract concept.
0: That's a really good point. And, and I've asked myself that question before when I've read Jesus's words in Matthew 24, where he sits down on the Mount of Olives and he's like, be careful that no one leads you astray. Be careful that no one deceives you. And, and my question has been, well, why? Why does mm-hmm. God care on a, you know, abstract level what I think about Him or about anything for that matter? I mean, isn't God just about wanting to love people and save us from, you know, sin and its its uh, penalty, its consequences, right? And recently, I, I kind of came to um, a little epiphany on that. I guess you know, Jesus in John eight thirty two said, "You will know the truth." And the truth will set you free. So there's one reason right there he gave us as to why it's important to know the truth. He claims that if you actually know the truth, and I'm speaking here, we're talking about salvational truth, right? Stuff that really matters that has to do about God and and salvation here. Um, That truth will in some way give us freedom, give us liberty. Um, There's a book I love. I I know you like this book as well. It's called The Great Controversy. And um, in that book, there's this, this uh, very, I think, um, good observation about this, this very issue right here. And it talks about, you know, God's people um, going through times of trouble at the end of time. And it says, in order to do, endure the trial before them, this is on page 593 of that book, The Great Controversy, it says, they must understand the will of God as revealed in his word, they can honor him only as they have a right conception of his character, government, and purposes, and act in accordance with him with them. Um, and I thought that was interesting. It's like, so God actually, the reason God wants us to know the truth is not simply to have, you know, he just wants people who are correct. You know, he just mm-hmm. wants people who have somehow checked the boxes and they've like, right. okay, I, I get it. No, there's, there's actually a, a reason for this, Right if we don't know who god really is if we don't know uh what his government's really like if we don't know what his purposes for us and the human race really are we will not be able uh to honor him or to have faith that will you know get us through anything satan might throw at god's people um and honestly i don't think we would fit into heaven very well either right because we wouldn't really understand you know, who God was and, and the whole point of, of living with him in heaven is, you know, to be around him. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, that's interesting. There, there's a reason God wants us to know the truth. Uh, it's not just some abstract things like, all right, you know, see who can pass the test here. And if you fail, uh, you're out, right. There's, there's, there's an underlying reason here. That's really important. I think you brought that out when you talked about loving the truth. There's talk a little bit more about that relational aspect.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the most famous or often quoted statements that Jesus made, you know, he said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Um, so so automatically, you know, when you know you're talk about this capital T truth concept, um, it it always comes back to Jesus because he— uh, you know, as you know, he made that a point. You know, to when he was defining who he was. You know, he's the way. Um, you know, obviously, that's that's talking about um, the um, the means by which we are saved. You know, there's there's nobody, there's no name given him um, given that that we can be saved by except except Jesus. The name of Jesus is is the only way of salvation. Um, you know he is the savior of the world, and so, you know, the way of the cross um, is the way that, that he showed to us um, is is the way to salvation, the way of self-sacrifice, the way of of, of willing to give all in order to to save another. Um, you know, so so it starts with that, that kind of revelation of God's love. So love is the beginning of of any revelation with God. Um, It even precedes truth. But you know, once you have, once you see the love, the love really isn't. um, I don't think we can comprehend love without truth. I mean, truth essentially makes um, love explainable. So so sometimes people say, Well well why do we have to teach doctrine or why do we need to study the Bible? You know, we just need to know that God loves us and we need to know that He saved us and and so why get caught up in, in the truth? Well, the truth is is the definition of love. So so we will we can all come up with our own ideas of what love is and, and be you know, mistaken and essentially deceived, um, you know, we think we might be following the way, but, but if we don't have the truth, the way there are two ways, you know, there's, there's two ways Jesus spoke of these two separate ways. Um, and, uh, and so the truth is important. Um, if we believe that now, if we believe that everyone is on the same path and we all end up at the same place at the end, you know, then truth really does doesn't matter. So, um, I think, you know, going back to the, the, you know, Genesis chapter three again, I mean, if essentially we, we buy into the lie of the devil, right. Is that you will not surely die is essentially saying that we all go to the same place in the end anyway. So it doesn't matter what God says, um, you're not going to die. Um, and I think that, that there's there's a lot to just that concept of, and I know we're not here to talk about you know what happens to you when you die, but, the, but there's there's a lot to this concept of death that I think uh, you know proves that God was telling the truth and and and, uh, and until we acknowledge that death is a potential um, for for us, you know, as, as, as the end of our, not just our earthly existence, but, you know, our eternal existence, um, you know, then, then I think truth really becomes important. Um, but if, if we kind of, you know, deny that there's one way and and we think that, you know, there's, you know, all the ways lead in the same, to the same place in the end, um, you know, then, then, then truth, doesn't get us to where the third point that he mentioned, right? He says, "I'm the way, the truth, and that leads to what? Life." Um, but if we don't need truth to get life, then um, then I, I think that's that's the deception, right? The deception is you can get life without truth, and and uh, if we buy that, then we're opening ourselves to a lot of different things that. Um, I think are are pretty dangerous.
0: So you and I are obviously, again, both coming from a Christian perspective, uh, people who believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. And so the question then becomes, well, how do we know what God thinks is true? Um, Does the Bible claim to contain the truth? And mm-hmm. um, I think that we could agree that it does, right? Um, throughout the Bible, you see the the different passages in the Book of Psalms um, where it talks about God's law being the truth. Um, Jesus in John chapter seventeen, verse three, uh, said, "Sanctify them through Thy Word. Thy uh, Word is truth." Um, Isaiah mm-hmm. chapter eight, verse twenty, says to the law, meaning the Torah, the first five books, and the testimony, the testimony of the prophets. If they speak not according to this word, there is no light in them. And I think one of the best examples of the Bible, or we could even use this as an example of Jesus uh, pointing to the Bible as being a standard of truth, of God's truth, uh, is in Luke chapter 24. Um, I love this story. It's a story about the two disciples walking on the road Mm. to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They're discouraged. Jesus just died on the cross, and this stranger walks up to them. It's Jesus himself. They don't know that. Um, And he begins to ask them questions. What are you talking about? They tell him. Um, He acts like he doesn't know, know what has happened. They tell him all their sorrows and how they believed that this man, Jesus, was the Christ, the Messiah, and, and then he said to them, how foolish you were. This is math, or Luke twenty four twenty five. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These are the guys that wrote the, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. Verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Later on in that same chapter, he appeared to the disciples in the, uh, upper room. And again, he said to them, listen, I want to establish your faith in what the prophets wrote. And I think this is so instructive to me because in a day and age when, uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we can't even trust our senses when it comes to determining what is ultimate truth or when it, you know, salvational mm-hmm. truth, um, and this is this is the thing. Satan wants to deceive people at the end of time. Jesus made this really clear in Matthew twenty-four, right? And mm-hmm. so Jesus here gives us, I think, the best lesson in where to find the truth that we see in Scripture. Because here the the living Christ in flesh and bone is standing there right next to these two discouraged disciples. He could have just simply stopped them and put his arms around him and said, "Hey, it's me." I'm here. I'm alive. You know, I'm the Messiah. I look at, I rose from the dead. He didn't do that before he revealed himself to his disciples. He first pointed them back to the written words of the prophets because he wanted them to have something objective after he was gone that they could have their faith in. And I think as uh, people that live in a world where truth increasingly is up for grabs, you know, people don't know what to believe having an objective source of, of truth with a capital T right here in the written words of God, uh, is invaluable. Now people are gonna say, well, Hey, you can interpret that however you want. And there's all sorts of different interpretations of the Bible. Well, Hey, okay. That's another discussion for another day, but let's just face it. There's some stuff in here. That's pretty darn simple, right. To understand,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right. I mean, you mentioned the 10 commandments. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, they just boom, 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 right. 10 commandments. Um, Sometimes we argue with stuff that's pretty clear, you know, we're we're trying to find a way around it somehow, I guess. But um, I love the fact that Jesus says, listen, I want your faith to be in something uh, that's objective. Even before you get to know me, the living Christ. In other words, there's going to be false Christ. They're going to come. They're going to claim to be me. And in order to actually find out which one's the real me, you've got to know this first, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I th- I was listening to um, Screw Tape Letters um, by C.S. Lewis recently, mm-hmm. and um, you know, one of the points that um, that uh, Uncle Screwtape Tape was uh, was making to um, you know his 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 pupil. Um, you know, and it's of course the whole book is kind of like this fictional idea of, of uh, you know training one of these uh, uh, demons, demons to, to, to tempt a Christian, you know, someone out of Christianity. Essentially, um, and it's 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 very deep book. But I I, I remember recently I was I was it, it just kind of hit me one of the the points he was making is if we can make Christianity a means to an end, um, you've won essentially is what he said. And, uh, and I think that's a lot of what's going on today. And I think if you go back to like the, the compromise, the church made with Rome, you know, in the, in the fourth century, um, you know, and you follow that line all the way to today. I think anytime we have been willing to compromise truth, it's because truth wasn't the goal, you know, and if you love truth then truth is the goal, right? I mean, you can't love something and then, you know, put something above that. When you love the truth, then you're, you're asking, you're knocking, you're seeking, and and Jesus said, right? Ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be given unto you. So, so the idea is you're 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 seeking after uh, after truth, right? You're seeking after God because in the capital T truth scenario that we've been talking about, Jesus is the truth. So right. so it's it's a relational connection to truth, and so when you have that and you're hungering and thirsting for truth then you're willing to, you know, surrender to it, in essence, to, to achieve it. Um, it's the pearl of great price. And and yet when the truth becomes a means to an end, um, you know, or, or Christianity becomes a means to an end or anything, you know, there's any other, I, I would say, uh, purpose or... Motivation, um, and, and and so we start using the truth or using Christianity to achieve some other goal. You know, then we're automatically opening ourselves up to compromise because the the whole idea is is that the 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 truth isn't the end goal. So therefore, uh, you know, if I fudge on it, you know, as long as I get to what I wanted in the end. You know I'm happy, and and so when you look around today, I think I think people use the Bible, right? And and you can see that, right? People have used the scriptures, uh, and all religions do this to a certain degree, right? People, and that's probably one of the biggest um, legitimate criticisms of religion um, by people who aren't religious is that, you know, people in power have used religion or used the truth um to, to achieve some other goal. Um and uh and I think that uh is a lot of what's happening today but but the only cure for that is a love for the truth. Therefore you're willing to not achieve the goal if it means that you would be um fudging or 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 turning away from the truth. The truth becomes more important than you know whatever political, social, economical goal that you may have. um, but I think that's rare today, would you agree?
0: Yeah, and I think you said it well earlier when you basically talked about how jesus Jesus is the truth, and before you can even really know him, you've got to know his love. So when you see what mm-hmm. he's done for you, you fall in love with the truth. Um, and then I would add to that, so once you've fallen in love with Jesus and you know that he is the truth, he says to you, "Listen, you can find out more about me in my word, the words of the prophets, right the mm-hmm. one the words I inspired them to write and and that's going to be your guide to get to know me better, to know my love better, right but you're right i mean truth Jesus is the ultimate goal, and if you have that relationship and you're you're on that you know with if if he's on the you know, you're on the journey to him. Uh, Yeah, I I think you're exactly right.
1: Um, Well, and it's interesting too, because people that aren't Christians, and and I think this is the cool thing about God, right? There's people who don't know God or don't know Jesus, but they're seeking the truth, right? So so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're seeking whatever they can find. And so whether they realize it or not, Anyone who is genuinely seeking truth is seeking Jesus. They just don't know him by mm-hmm. name, right? Like yeah. And, and so, you know, we as Christians don't have to, um, you know, we don't have any right to, to say we have a, a, a monopoly on truth. I mean, God is, is the one that, that reveals truth. God has a
0: monopoly treatment. on truth, but we don't necessarily.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think it, it comes down to that, you know, essentially, and think about it, Steve, right? If, if I don't really, if truth's not something I love, mm-hmm. you, you know, what does that say about myself, right? Like if, if I really am not seeking the truth, um, externally, um, then it's a reflection of the fact that I'm not, seeking it internally. Like I really don't want to know myself or I'm, I'm, I'm denying, you know, part of who I am and, and I'm trying to either hide it or, or justify it or, or just, I'm ashamed of it, but, but it's, it's almost like, you know, if I can just find something to distract me from the truth, um, you know, and, and and fantasy is a great replacement for that, right? So, so when we when we kind of create our own truth, um, we don't have to deal with you know the internal truth that, that a lot of us you know try to avoid. Mm.
0: So let's let's step out from the round of uh, philosophy from the realm of philosophy here, and let's see. Let's talk about practical application in our world. Um, so mm-hmm. we've been talking about truth of the capital T. And certainly, Jesus was talking about salvational truth, truth with a capital T, um, truth about stuff that really matters when he said, you know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. Um, But shouldn't followers of God also be concerned about being factually accurate about other things that aren't even salvational or aren't truth with a capital T? Tea. And and uh, just to kind of clarify, earlier we both talked about how um, when it comes to discovering God's truth, you can't necessarily trust your senses, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's the opposite of scientific truth, right? That's the whole point of science is that science says, you know, what you can observe is true, right? If exactly. You, if you can test it and observe it, then it's, it's true. And so, I mean just on a factual basis and, and you know, without getting into the, um, ways to ferret out truth on social media and in the news, because that's a totally different topic. I'd like to do sometime, um, on a future episode, but like, how do we, should Christians be concerned? Should followers of God be concerned about being factually accurate about what we say in the world and about the, um, Theories and ideologies we promote, and yeah, the stuff we put on social media, um, the emails we forward. Should we care if it's true? Should we search it out to make sure that we're being as accurate as possible?
1: Definitely. I mean, and why should we no, care? <laughs> I, I think I think we we should be extremely cautious in in everything that we publish or or even say, because think about it. If, as Christians, we care about our witness, right? Like, if, if we, if we believe that, um, you know, we have influence and we can, we can, um, um, share a, you know, some of these big picture truths that we've been talking about, and and they can change someone's life, you know, um, introducing them to Jesus, the way the truth and the life, you know, and, and seeing someone else go through that that experience that, that we've experienced, you know, it's, it, there's, there's no words to explain that, that joy uh, of seeing that in someone else's life. But So if we care about our, our influence, if we care about, um, uh, you know, the ability to, to, um, to have a, uh, uh, to be, uh, um, to have integrity, um, then, then yes, you know, you because anytime we we whether meaningful whether we mean it or not, if we if we push a theory or, or an idea or or publish a story that that is not true and we and we um you know we don't back off of it once you know maybe we did it ignorantly and and it's proven you know that it was not factual, if we don't apologize or we keep pushing that anyway, because, you know, we, because we like the story more than, than the truth, um, then, then again, we're, we're falling to that trap of, of the end justifying the means. And, uh, and, and, and anyone who's honest and, and, and they're, they're going to see right through that. And, and so we're, we're, we're essentially sacrificing our witness at the altar of expedience. Uh, we, you know, we may get a short-term win, you know, in, in, in terms of whatever it is we're, we're trying to accomplish, but, but in the long term, we lose our credibility. And I think that's, that's just too great of a sacrifice. I, I've, as, as, uh, as a Christian, I, I just think that that's of utmost importance that, that we could be Viewed as, as uh, people of integrity.
0: Yeah, it reminds me. I mean, the ninth commandment says, "Thou shalt not bear false witness." Mm. We've got Leviticus chapter nineteen, verse sixteen, where it says, "Don't go up and down as a talebearer among your people." And I've, you know, there was a time I remember I put something on uh, out on Twitter, and somebody responded and said, "That's not true. Here, look at this." And I had to retract what I put out there, you know, I had to say, oh, you're right. And then after, you know, words, I deleted it because I was like, you know, this, I I don't want to be promoting something, even if, um, maybe it fits within my presuppositions. Uh, that's not true. You mentioned earlier how the 10 commandments, for example, are people are happiest when they're living according to God's law And yet, you know, most of the world doesn't agree with that statement you made, right? Um, So how do (laughs) we as Christians, maybe we can kind of wrap it up with this here. Um, Should people of faith seek to impose their view of truth on society at large uh, through public policy? Or how should we go about sharing the truth? Or should we?
1: And it's a good question. Um, You know, I i think when you look at the the way that that god um has dealt with the the whole great controversy and and uh, from the very beginning you know we know that that god doesn't force right he he um he 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 works um through through love through drawing um us to him and uh uh, he's not interested in, in a forced allegiance. Um, and so, but he is very interested in us, um, you know, following him, obviously because he loves us, number one, and number two, he knows we'll be happier um, if we do. You know, essentially, we're not only um, choosing um, death, so to speak, when we, when we reject God, but we're also rejecting um, the abundant life or rejecting a fuller, happier life. Um, so, so I think when we think about, um, let's say we, we want to um, educate, we want to promote something that's good for society, right? Um, I think there's nothing wrong with with that, right? We, we we should go out and not only teach, but more importantly, I believe, demonstrate um, whatever principle that we think would be good for society. And and yet, if society chooses not to um, agree with that, um, if they choose a different path, um, you know, we would not be following. Biblical principles, in my opinion, uh, by using force to um, to advocate morality, um, I do believe in in making a strong appeal. I think you could find that throughout the Bible. The prophets um, made many strong appeals to try to win uh, people over. Um, you know, Mount Carmel, right? You know, Elijah's up there and saying, "Hey, how long will you falter between?" Two opinions if God is God follow him if Baal follow him and, and the people answered him not a word and 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 so it wasn't until that God demonstrated his power right through through Elijah and, and they could see it that they acknowledged God but they did it because they chose to acknowledge him right so I think as Christians we should be more concerned with demonstrating whatever it is that we're advocating rather than trying to uh, push it Um On others, because I think it has the opposite effect if we do that. Mm.
0: There's a little quotation from a book called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings that is so on point here with what you just said. Speaking of the church, it says, Finding herself destitute of the power of love, she, the church, has reached out for the strong arm of the state to enforce her dogmas and execute her decrees. Here's the secret of all religious laws that have ever been enacted and the secret of all persecution from the days of Abel to our own time. Uh, destitute of the power of love. And that's really the motivating power that has to drive what the church, what Christians do in society. Now, not to say there isn't a place for advocating uh, for government to be moral. Um
1: of course, there's yeah. a, there's
0: a time and a place, and what kind of morality we ought to be focused on. Uh, like my my friend Kevin Paulson makes a distinction between collective morality and consensual morality. He's like, you know, when it comes to collective morality, things like theft and and um, uh, murder and those types of things, by all means, the government ought to enforce morality. But when it comes to consensual acts between consenting adults, um, the government doesn't have a place there. That's his theory, you know, and you could, I think that's a good argument to make. Um, but the, the biggest, the most, the broadest religious liberty principle I see in the word of God is the golden rule, right? Where Jesus said in everything, therefore treat people the same way you want them to treat you for this is the law and the prophets. Um, he's like, everything's summed up in this concept of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if we, as, as Christians were to think about that, as we think about truth, how would I want this to be done to me if I were in that person's shoes? Um, I think it would inform and and change a lot of how we, um, how we approach things in society.